Good morning, Mercy Road Carmel. How are we doing this morning? How are we doing well? Okay, I guess not. All right. Anyway, there we go. Thank you very much. My name is Darren Earlywine. I'm one of the teaching pastors in the Mercy Road family of churches. And uh, I had the honor of speaking here about every month for the past like six years or so. And then uh, they asked me to be a part of the team to launch Northeast. And so for the past year, I've been over uh, helping us launch uh, the Northeast campus. And so I haven't been to be able to uh, been able to be with you guys for about a year. So if you're new in the past year, you're like, who's this freaking guy? Right. And uh, if you're old school, you, you, you know who I am. And it's so good to see you again. Uh, I actually get the pleasure of coming back next month as well uh, to be with you guys. But things are going great over at Mercer Road Northeast. If you haven't heard an update for a while uh, on Christmas Eve, we were honored to welcome 998 people to join us on Christmas Eve over at Mercer Road Northeast. Yeah. So we launched that church uh, just over a year ago. And so to see that kind uh, of growth in one and a half years is pretty remarkable. And uh, Ken is our lead pastor over there, such a humble and genuine leader. Uh, so great to be a part of that team. And it's just cool to see uh, what God is doing and how good he is. And uh, life's been good for me since I haven't seen you guys. Uh, my wife, Julie, and I are doing great, and uh, that's exciting. My boys are doing great. Actually, tomorrow is a pretty big day. My oldest son uh, got his first invite to go uh, on a D1 college visit for football, which we do tomorrow, which is like, uh, is this really happening? Because I remember having a kid, and now he's a 17-year-old that benches like 8 billion pounds and is way taller than me, uh, and he lives in my home. But big, big stuff for us. Uh, it's been exciting. Uh, I know all of you are downloading my podcast every Every Tuesday, Wednesday at 10 at 10 a.m. when it comes out. Thank you for doing that. If you're not, it is an expectation for attendance here. Just kidding. Uh, thanks for those. And then uh, I'm excited in, in October, uh, I have a book that's being published that'll come out. And I'd love for you to guys to buy like six or 12 copies of that and give it to all your friends. But uh, it's been an exciting year. And, and I hope your year has gone well. And when I think about it, it, it reminds me of like an old school thing we used to say in church, like back in the day, if you grew up in the church back in the day, and we're going to say it together. Some of you guys that are old school will be like, I love it. If you're new school, you're going to be like, oh, they used to say that in church. Just stick with me. Okay. It goes like this, right? It says, God is good. All the, time, all the time and all the time, all the time. God, is God is good until he's not. Let's try it again. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good until he's not. See, you do the same thing first service. You guys don't even like to say it, right? You're like, I'm not doing the last sentence there. I'm not going to say it, right? Because he is good. But here's let's be just honest with each other. At some point in the past 12 months, you had something happen to you, around you, because of you. Something in your life happened in the past 12 months and you thought to yourself, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good, until he wasn't last week. And now I'm disappointed in God. Now I had this thing that I was desperate for God to do the way I wanted God to do it, and God didn't do it. So is he good? Is he dependable? Is he the God that I want him to be? And sometimes we just need to be honest that that's real. That yes, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. That is truth. But oftentimes, emotionally, we add in until he isn't. And that's where we're going to go today in this next series, in the next 
week of this series, looking at the prophet Elisha, where he stepped into a moment where God was good all the time, and all the time God was good until they thought he wasn't, and he invited some kings back into a place of dependency and expectation, and that's where I hope that we can go today, okay? Here's what I'd like you to do. There's probably something that feels desperate in your life right now. Could be a new job, could be a spouse, could be a kid, you wanna have a baby. You want something in your life. You need more money, you need less debt. Maybe it's a miracle, you need health, or someone in your family needs help. Whatever it is that right now is filling that gap of greatest need in your life, I want you to listen to the rest of the sermon through the lens of that greatest need, okay? Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for the opportunity to get into the word today. I pray that it would uh, do exactly what you uh, have intended it to do. I pray it would lead us to a place of dependency, of expectation, and empowerment to walk in your will. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So disappointment and desperation in our life often lead us to a place or at least an opportunity for dependency on God. So the first thought we have is is desperation, okay? And I want you to realize that your greatest need, whatever that thing is that filled in the gap for you, as I just said, right? It is a blessing when it actually drives you to become dependent on God. So there's the first little paradigm shift I want you to take this morning is whatever that fill in the blank is, is not a curse. It's actually a potential blessing to lead you to dependency on God. We're gonna be in 2 Kings chapter three today looking at this story with Elisha and it goes like this. Now Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep herder and he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs in the wool of 100,000 rams. That's a lot of rams and wool, am I right? It's a lot. That would be a lot of money, a lot of resources. And then it says, but it happened when, king, when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So he didn't bring 100,000 sheep and 100,000 wool. This is a big deal that brought a need and desperation to the king. So the king, uh, Jehoram, Went out, went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all of Israel. Then he went and sent Jehoshaphat the king, uh, to the king, to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your people. And then he said, which way shall we go up? Now, this is interesting. Because we've got a desperate situation where the king gets a plan together and gets a bunch of people involved in it and they have no idea where they're going. Isn't this interesting? We got a situation, it's desperate. We got a plan. He summons everybody up. Let's go to war. This is a big deal. We're gonna get justice. It's gonna happen. What do you think? I'm in, you're in, let's go. Which way would you say we go? And he answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water 
for the army nor the animals that followed them. You can live about 40 days without food. You know how many days you have without water? About four. And then guess what happens? Yet I. So these guys got a desperate problem. We didn't get the wool. We didn't get the sheep. We got to go fix this situation. I got a plan. Are you in? I'm in. Let's go. Which way should we go? I don't know. How about this way? Great. Seven days later, uh, guys, we're going to die. I know what we should do. Ask God for help. And some of you have done, some of us have done that exact thing in the past 12 hours, 12 months, 12 years, right? I had a problem. I had something that was desperate for me. I got a plan. I called all my friends, called them all, got their advice, didn't really know what to do. One guy seemed like they had a good plan, went for it. Seven weeks after I went on that plan or seven days or seven hours, or maybe it's been seven years And right now, you're in a dry, desperate, desert place because you never thought about consulting God and being dependent on Him guiding your steps. Here's the good news, is if we can allow our our need, our desperate need, to lead us to a place of dependency, Here's something I tell my my discipleship huddle every week, is that God is so real, he wants to meet you where you really are. So in this place of desperation that you're thinking of and viewing and hearing this sermon through, God wants to meet you most fully right there. Here's the good news. He wants to speak to you every day in everyday type of ways. If you'll move towards a place of dependency on God, he will speak to you every day in everyday type of ways. What does that look like, Darren? When my life, he usually sends a text at about 7.20 every morning. And uh, no, that doesn't ever happen. Okay, God doesn't text. But here's what God does is God finds ways to speak to you every day through your spirit, through circumstances, and through his word. So there are times where that still small voice of the Spirit, God will nudge in your life, give you a thought that doesn't seem like your thought, a thought that corresponds to his word. That's another way to know how God's speaking to me is am I in the word of God? Because if I wanna know what God is saying about this desperate situation I have, I need to know what God has already said because what God says is not going to contradict what he's already said. Putting yourself in environments where you can actually be expectant on the word of God is another way that we can begin to hear the word of God. Here's the deal. This is a concept you'll learn if you, if you do a discipleship huddle here at Mercy Road, is there are two types of time described in, in the Greek. There's chronological time, chrono, and then there's the word kairos. And every day, God leads you into what we call kairos moments. These are moments to stop your life and to hear from God, right? Chronological time goes on indefinitely and and, and sequentially. Kairos is a stoppage of time. Every day, there are moments when God's spirit stops in on your life and tries to get your attention. It can happen while you're reading the word of God. It can happen when a song comes on. It can happen through a a conversation. It can happen when you get fired from your job. It can happen when you get in a car wreck. It can be very serious things or very, very small things. But every single day, God wants to speak to you in everyday type of ways. And if you're dependent on hearing from him to know what to do next, and you step into it with an expectation that he will speak 
God will guide your life into dependency on him. These guys didn't do any of that. We had a desperate situation. We figured out what we thought was a good idea. It didn't work out. We're seven days into the desert. We're all about to die. Now, I have conversations with people often. They're in these situations. And if you get there by ignorance, I'm gonna give you a pass, right? Maybe you're new to this Jesus following thing. Maybe you're not, not trying to follow Jesus right now, but you get yourself in a situation where it's dry and desert and it's very desperate. And you just didn't know what you didn't know. You made some mistakes. There was some ignorance involved. You're not stupid, right? That's, that's different. You're just ignorant. You just didn't know. That's okay. Then there's maybe ambitious. I'll even give a pass on maybe a little hyperactive ambition. You were excited, you wanted to do what was right, so you just went after and did it, and, and did something before you thought about it, and it didn't work out right. I get that, I've been there a 100 times, right? I usually act before I think, I'm trying to get better at it. So ignorance or ambition, understandable. Here's what, what burns me up. When I talk to a follower of Jesus who is either ignorant or ambitious, or both, and then the cherry on top is they bring arrogance into it. And what that looks like is being ignorant or ambitious, it going wrong, and then you getting mad at God for what happened when you never consulted him in the first place. I was in a conversation a couple weeks ago with a friend that was just like, I'm really mad at God, and I just spent time yelling at him, and I'm just pissed. Okay, he's big enough to take your emotions. That's fine. So what did he say? I don't know. I don't hear from God anymore. Okay, well, how much time do you spend in his word hearing what he's already said to people? I don't, I don't wanna read the Bible, I don't like it. Okay. And I don't like spending time listening to like Christian, like worship music or anything, I don't like it either. Okay. Are you getting together with other Christians and like being in community and encouraging each other? No, I don't go, okay, all right. So your, your life is not working out and you're mad at God for what God's not doing in your life, but you're not showing any level of dependency on him, but you're mad at him. See, that, that's ignorance and, and, and that's ambition and it's arrogance. You can stick with that as long as you want, but you're going to continue to get desperate results out of your life, okay? Because God says that he, he actually embraces the humble but he opposes the proud. So whatever that place of desperation you have in your life right now, I wanna encourage you to allow this desperation to lead you to a place of humble dependence. Because when you do, God speaks, God guides, God directs, God delivers. So once we start humbly becoming dependent, then we move to this next level of expectation where we begin to expect God to move. So here's what happens. Jehoshaphat says, is there no, finally they get there, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him, right? This isn't working, guys. Listen, let's, let's try the God card at this point. So one of the servants of the king of Israel answers and says, Elisha, the son of Shepheth, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now listen, Elijah, right, became before Elisha, and Elisha was his servant. That's what he's saying. He washed his hands. When he was with him, he was his right-hand guy. He was his servant. And they say, and Joseph says, the word of the Lord is with him. 
He hears from God is what they're saying. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to Elisha. Okay, so they finally get it. We got to get dependent. We got to find somebody that hears from God. Here's the, here's the tough part. In that time of humanity, only prophets like Elisha heard from God. Here's the amazing gift that every single one of us has to live right now in the time of Jesus in the Holy Spirit is that God says through his word that his Holy Spirit would actually teach every single one of us. We have the written word of God. So we don't have to go inquire of some prophet to speak to God for us that the opportunity when we come into a relationship with Jesus is we can approach the throne room of God with boldness because we know that we are welcome there and he will speak to each and every one of us. That's a really, really good thing that people on our planet for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years did not have access to and you have access to in your life. It's good news. So then Elijah says to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, no, 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 no. For the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. No, he hasn't, right? I think that's funny. Like here he is being sad again. The Lord's called a sadder to kill us all. No, you just picked a fight and didn't ask God about it, right? And now you're blaming God. It's not God's fault. But then Elijah says, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or see you. So he's saying, listen, I'm cool with Jehoshaphat, so I'm gonna be cool with you guys. Here's the deal. Uh, Bring me a musician. Bring you a musician? It's like, like, they're coming to Elijah. Elijah, we've got a desperate situation. We need you to talk to God. And he's like, that's cool. I'm gonna need a little music break. (laughs) Right? I got a favorite playlist. I'm just going to put it on for a minute and then I'll get back to you guys. Right? Maybe Elijah was like a dancer. He was like, we're going to do a dance battle after this thing, right? He was just like, you know, anyway. Okay. Um, here's the interesting thing about what, what, what Elijah's doing is the kings were seeking a word from God out of desperation. Elisha began seeking the word of God through relationship. And what Elisha knew is he knew the kind of environment to create around himself that would allow him to hear from God. The question is, do you know what kind of environment you can create that helps you hear from God? Because once you become dependent, then you become expectant. God will speak to me. So what environment can you begin creating in your life that enhances your expectancy for God to speak to you? Elisha used music. You can too. The word of God promises that God inhabits the praises of his people. So if you're saying, I want to sense God's presence, then you need to create an environment in your life where you're praising God, which means the music that we sing here or that you can get on Spotify or wherever you do is is you could turn your drive to work or from work a time to sing God's praises and get in his presence because he inhabits the praises of you, his people. Okay. Another thing is the word, the written word of God, the Bible is a portal into the presence of God. And so if you want to create an environment in your life where you're expecting to hear from God, you need to be in the word of God. You can read it. You can listen to it. Okay. If you get the version app, they have tons of versions of the Bible that literally will read you the Bible. So as you're driving to work, you read and listen to the Bible. You create an environment of expectancy in your life for God to speak. This is what 
Elisha did. Okay? Once again, the kings were expectant out of desperation. Elisha was expectant out of relational experience. Then the next step, right after we get expectant, we begin to participate. We begin to participate in the miracle or the breakthrough of the answer that God is bringing us. Here's how it goes. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, came upon Elisha, and he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. I say what? <laughs> right? Hey, Elijah, we've got a problem with water. We don't have any water. We're all dying. The animals, are there, there goes another donkey. He has died over there. We've got donkeys and camels dying everywhere, Elisha. We've got a problem. We need water. Ask God what to do. Okay, get the harp guy up there. Right, he's praying. He said, God says dig ditches. Elijah, we're in the desert, right? We're already thirsty, dying of thirst. And you want us to get shovels? and begin manual labor digging ditches. Yes, that's exactly what God says. I want you to begin to do what you can do through indirect effort that shows that you have faith for me to do what only I can do in your life. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. You see, here's the deal. is We can dig ditches in our life, but only God can send the water. And so what God may be asking you to do may seem a little bit foolish to you. It may seem indirect. No, I need this answer, God. You're asking me to do this. Okay, so here's the deal. I want you to participate in the miracle with me. You see, look at Jesus' life, right? There were so many times where Jesus did the miracle, but he would say to people like, stretch out your hand. Put your hand in your cloak. Go and wash seven times in the pool. And all the miracles had different things. You'll notice that there was no rhythm or there was no formula that Jesus did every time that would let us know, like, I know what we do. If we do this exact thing, we'll trick God into answering our prayer. No, what Jesus was doing is saying, I'm willing. What I need to know is that you actually have faith to be dependent on me to do what only I can do. So for you, what could be is it's God's asking you to do things that seem absolutely indirect to the answer of the prayer that you want. Right, it sounds something like this, where God, you, you, say, uh, you say, God, I want a wife, God. I've been praying for a year. I want a wife. And God says, join a gym. No, no, no. God, I didn't say I need another bill and to feel guilty about a place I don't go regularly, right? No, no, join a gym. Huh? God, I want a wife. I want a wife. Go to Rooted. I want to go to a Bible study. I want to go to the club, right? I got to meet a woman. No, 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 here's the problem. You see, the woman that I have for you, when she meets you, she wants to meet a man that knows how to take care of himself so that she feels safe to know that you can take care of her. 
And, and the man that you are now with no knowledge of the word of God, you're not going to attract a godly woman until you go to Rooted and know something about the Bible so that when you have a conversation, this woman goes, this man cares about God and about himself. I'll give him a second date. Go dig the ditch. Gotta want a wife, brush your teeth. It's called deodorant, okay? Get some hair product. Lord, I want, I want a husband, Lord. Please, please, Lord, join Rooted. Join the gym. Read a book. Do, it, that, that's not for me, I'm saying, that was what God may say, and you go, I don't know how that has anything to do with this. Lord, we need more money, God. Meet our needs financially. Dig a ditch, it's called tithing. What? No, no, I said I need more money, and you're asking me to give 10% of it away to you, and you want the first 10%? God, you are not hearing. I said I need money. Dig a ditch. It's called tithing. God, we just ask that you do a miracle in the life of our kids. They're getting ready to be teenagers, and Lord, I want to kick them out of the house. I can't stand it. They're annoying. I don't know whose kids they are. I know genetically they're mine, but Lord, give us godly kids. Take them to coffee once a week. No, 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 God, give us good kids. Bring them to church with you. No, no, good, I want good kids. Right? The same is true in, in, in spiritual disciplines. Dallas Willard says that spiritual disciplines are things that we discipline ourselves to do in dependency with God, that by indirect effort, we bring ourselves into a place where God can do what only he can do. So whatever this place of desperation you're seeking for God, seek after God with a, with a dependency and an expectation that he loves you so much and he's so real, he's gonna meet you where you really are and an expectancy that he will speak to you every day in everyday type of ways and be ready for the gentle nudge of God's Holy Spirit to be something that sounds or feels like dig ditches, not get water. Fair? Not fun. Anybody know the Enneagram? Any Enneagram sevens in the house tonight? Praise God, we've got issues, all right? We're going to hope you're no counseling, going to counseling like I am, okay? For Enneagram sevens, we don't want to hear that, right? We want fun. We want everything to be fun and easy in life. And God says, well, this one's not going to be that fun. This is going to feel like discipline. This is going to be digging a ditch. But here's the, here's the cool part. If you'll start small, God will do what only he can do in your life. Because he said it, right? Elijah says, hey, listen, guys, this is a simple matter for the Lord. You need some water? Guess who created water? God. So whatever it is that you have in your life that seems impossible or you're desperate for, I mean, let's know this. It's a simple matter for God. It's very simple. But what he's doing is he's leading you to a place of desperation so that you can discover dependence. Not because he's a vindictive jerk, but because he actually knows that when you remain in him and he in you, nothing is impossible for your life. But he also knows that we're so stubborn and so arrogant that we rarely seek him until we're desperate. That one never gets the amen that the first one gets. All right, let's land the plane.
Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. I love the way this next passage, the next verse, pick it up in verse 20. It says this. Now it happened in the morning that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. Here's the deal. I disagree, right? The water didn't come suddenly. And sometimes for us, if we we pray and like you you got something desperate and we're going to sing two songs and the Holy Spirit's going to be here and it's going to feel awesome. And you're going to be like, yes, tomorrow morning, it's going to be breakthrough day. And you're going to wake up tomorrow and everything's going to be the same. And some of you are going to quit because it didn't happen immediately. And in the deal with this one, it didn't happen suddenly. It happened after they dug ditches for an entire day at least, right? But here's the deal. If you would have shown up the day in the afternoon after the water got there and you'd been in a dry and desert place, it'd have been easy to walk in and be like, oh, see, life's easy for some people. Just water everywhere. She always wins. Always gets the promotion. Look how cute her boyfriend is. Right? Social media. Oh, just overnight success for them. Oftentimes, when we envy other people's success, it feels like something happened for them overnight. This wasn't an overnight success. This was dependency and obedience to go do the hard work of digging ditches. And then suddenly, after the hard work of digging ditches, they saw the result. So the question is, how long are you on to dig the ditch? If God's asked you to. Don't have been asking for God to bring this healing for a month. Keep praying. God, I've been asking for you to, to, to bring this breakthrough in my friend's life and lead him to Christ and, and, and keep praying. God, I've been asking you to keep praying. Keep being faithful. Keep digging the ditch. Because suddenly, seemingly suddenly, God will show up and he'll bring breakthrough. Stand with me. Please. So what is it? Hopefully you didn't forget what you were listening for and through. A place of desperation. Maybe a place of disappointment. I don't want to invite you to take a step towards dependency. God didn't lead you here because you were mean or he was mean. In fact, God may not have led you here at all. You've just been on your own stroll. And now you're in a dry and, and, and desperate place and, and the opportunity is to seek after the voice of God, to take a step towards dependency and expectation. I don't know what that looks like for you, but God does. So as we sing these next two songs, I'd encourage you to ask him. And my guess is he's going to tell you something that seems indirectly connected. And you'll have to decide for yourself if you're humble enough to go for it. If you're humble enough to start small, to start digging ditches. Because the great part is that um, here's how the story ends. Is not only does God bring water, but he also brings victory over their enemies. And so there is victory, there is joy, there is hope, there is peace, there is purpose, 
in your future. Because, or if, God is in your present and in your future. Heavenly Father, we get disappointed in you when we can't figure it out. And God, this world is really hard to live in. And it just seems like it keeps getting worse. So there's places that we're desperate to see you do what only you can do. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to choose humility, to choose dependency. God, I pray that we would be obedient and disciplined enough to create environments of expectation to hear from you. And then we would have the resolve and the empowerment by your spirit to start small and to do what we can do as we're obedient to your voice to allow you to do what only you can. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name.